Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. I want to talk to you about a very familiar story. I don't know if there's a passage of Scripture that I've preached more than this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 10. Many years ago at Princeton University, well, two Princeton uh, psychologists, social psychologists, uh, they, did a, they did a study. They, they got a bunch of theological students, and they were doing a study, and they were trying to figure out why is it that so many people who claim to know the Lord, even people sometimes who are in the Lord's service, seem to lack compassion. So what they did is they did a study and they took a group of uh, students preparing for the ministry. They broke them up into two different groups in a building and they had them read some material. They said, we're going to have you go from this room to another room and give a a speech on what you've read. One group of students was going to give a speech on something that had nothing to do with compassion, nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. It was just something for them to speak on. The other group was to read the parable of the Good Samaritan. So they they had them do the study. They they read the material that was given. The one group uh, that was reading just some secular stuff that I don't know exactly what it was, but it had nothing to do with compassion, had nothing to do with God, had nothing to do with the Bible. They were told, go ahead, you, you can leave, go to such and such place in such and such room, and they left. They planted a man laying on the ground with a deed. The man was moaning. He was crying out for help. The group that did not read the parable Good Samaritan, many of them walked right by the man and went to the room that they were assigned to go to. Then they dismissed the group that read the parable of Good Samaritan, and they were, that group was going to go do a, a speech on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that group left, walked by, and here's what they say, said. Many of the people who read the passage of Scripture, we're going to read in a moment, walked right by that man. Many of them actually walked over the man to go deliver their speech on having compassion for the poor, the needy, and the helpless. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently. If you would, Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse number 27 of 28. The Bible says, and he said unto him, thou hast answered right this too, and thou shalt live. But he, the Pharisee, the lawyer, but he willing to justify himself. Oh, that sounds so much like me. So often I'm willing to justify myself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest. Could everybody say a certain priest? And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, can everybody say a Levite? A Levite, when he was uh, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Can everybody say compassion? He had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy. Can everybody say mercy? But with the word mercy and the word compassion, they're interchangeable. Same word, means the same thing. Which thou these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, I pray that you'd bless these few moments that we have. I'm so thankful for Liberty Baptist Church. I'm thankful for Pastor Thompson, his family, the staff here. I thank God for this church family. I thank God for their faithfulness over the years to pray for us, to support us financially. I thank God for what you are doing in this place. Exciting to see this crowd tonight. And what a tremendous crowd this morning in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all the other issues. Great crowd, five people baptized, a family joining the church. Lord, that, that stirred my heart today. I pray that you'd bless this evening. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would convict, convict where convictions needed, get, challenge us. But most of all, I pray that we would be changed because we've come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A very familiar passage. I think most of us are familiar with it. Jesus and a, and a lawyer, a, a doctor of the law, if you would, a theologian, are in a conversation and they're talking about the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, the, this theologian's a little bit concerned about that. He wants to know, he's justifying his lack of compassion for others. So he asks Jesus, so who is my neighbor? Then Jesus begins to tell the story that most of us are familiar with. Jesus says a man is on the road, the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. If you, if you study it at all, uh, they, uh, scholars tell us this. It was a very dangerous road. It was a very difficult road. It was a rocky road. And many, many, many people would use 
to take advantage of people. They would hide behind big rocks and somebody would be coming. They would either be traveling to Jerusalem or to Jericho. They would rob them. And that's exactly what happens in the story that Jesus tells. A man is robbed. He's left for half dead. And then Jesus tells about three different men. How many different men? Three different men. One is a priest. Now, you have to understand, the priest knows the word of God. The priest has scripture memorized. The priest is faithful to the temple. The priest knows what the word of God says in the Old Testament about compassion and about love and about caring for people. The priest comes by, and Jesus says the priest looked on him. He saw him. By the way, there's a biblical principle. My eye affects my heart that's found in lamentations chapter 3 verse 51 i believe it is my eye affects my heart so he comes he sees him and he just keeps walking he doesn't do anything he doesn't help him then jesus says there's a second man a levite a levite is also somebody who knows the scriptures he's a worker in the temple he helps in the temple. He helps with the sacrifices. The Levite knows the word of God. He knows what God has said about caring for others. The Levite comes and he sees him, possibly hears him, and he walks on by. Then Jesus, as he often did, he uses a Samaritan. Now, he, you have to understand, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get alone at all. The man that's laying on the road is a Jewish man. Jesus uses a Samaritan, and many times Jesus would use Samaritans to just sort of poke at the Pharisees, and Jesus uses a Samaritan. And the Samaritan comes, and the Bible says, Jesus says, the Samaritan looks on him, and unlike the priest, and unlike the Levite, the Samaritan, his heart is moved with compassion, and he begins to do what he can to help this man. Again, as I said a few moments ago, the Bible is very, very clear that my eye affects my heart. My wife and I are on the mission field today because of what I saw and what it did in my heart. About uh, nine years ago or so, as a member, as an assistant pastor at Pacific Baptist Church of Long Beach, God began to stir my heart about a place called the 1040 Window, where we presently serve. But at that time, I was very comfortable. I was assistant pastor for 18 years at Pacific Baptist Church. Uh, Sister Patty there was one of our members, one of our faithful members. And uh, God was doing some amazing things. Our grandchildren were able to come to my office. I shoved candy down them, sent them home with the parents. Somebody say amen. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. But then I had the opportunity to take a 20-day trip to Asia. I spent seven days in Cambodia, seven days in the country of Laos, and six days in the country of Thailand. And I went all over the place, and I saw so many things. And as I've mentioned here uh, previously in years gone by, my heart broke. I cried myself to sleep every night. I wept like a baby. Why? Because I saw something. I, I saw things that I had never seen before 
in my life in the United States of America. I saw not only spiritual poverty, I saw physical poverty, and I saw things that just tore at my heart. And I remember thinking to myself, I can remember uh, sitting on the, on the bed and, and meditating and thinking about things that I had seen, things that I heard, things that I smelled, things that I felt, and I remember saying to myself, I will never be the same. I wasn't sure if I was going to the mission field yet or not, but I knew I could never be the same because I saw something. The principle is true today. Our eye affects our heart, but let me say this. Not everybody's heart is affected the same. Let's think about the priest for a moment. The priest saw the man lying on the road. The priest no doubt saw the blood. The priest no doubt saw this man, possibly heard this man crying for help. The principle is true. It's God's word. My eye affects my heart. You say, well, how was his heart affected? His heart became calloused and cold. Think about the Levite. The Levite comes. Again, Levite knows the word of God. He, he sees something. The principle is true. The principle is true that my eye affects my heart. What, how does his heart get affected? His heart becomes cold and calloused. Let me say this. I've, by, by the way, it doesn't have to be this way. It isn't always this way. But I've been, I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and I've found something to be true. It seems like the longer we know the Lord, the longer we're in church, the easier it is for us to become cold and calloused to the needs of the poor, the needy, and the helpless. I remember about four years ago, I was sitting down with an evangelist in Michigan. Uh, I was in Michigan. I was going to be in a couple churches. I was on a short furlough. I was going to be in a couple churches, and it, as he, he knew I was in town, and he called, and we met each other halfway from where, where he was. We got together for three hours, and, and you know, those of us in the ministry, uh, my daughters used to always call this, hey, Dad, are you saving the world? You know, when preachers get together, they just talk, and they save the world, and they go back, and the world's the same. Somebody say amen. And, you know, we just talk and talk, and we give our opinions, that type of thing. Well, we were talking, somehow we got on this topic of compassion. Can everybody say compassion? We got on this topic of compassion. And his name is Dan Martin, Evangelist Dan Martin. And he said, you know, Brother Johnny, and I don't remember exactly what I said that triggered this. He said, Brother Johnny, you're right. He said, I'm in two churches, sometimes three churches a week. And I'm going to tell you, far too many of God's people have very little compassion. And we talked, we prayed. And that's exactly what we see in this story. But a Samaritan, not one of the people of God, not a follower of the God of Israel, it's a Samaritan who has compassion. And let me say this. One thing that, that has bewildered me, Brother Sammy, throughout the years is that sometimes lost people have more compassion than God's people. It ought not to be that way. Sometimes I think I, I think about a man who went to Cambodia. We started a church in a place called Stunman J, Cambodia. It's a very poor place. It's a trash dump. And people move from the villages into the city to live on a trash dump and recycle 
and that's how they make a living, make about 50 cents a day, poor, and we go soul winning there week after week for two years. I, I mean, it was so bad. We were walking through raw sewage, and when I would come back to the, our apartment, I would knock on the door. My wife would open the door. She would look at me. She'd say, go take a shower and brush your teeth. Somebody say amen. Because the raw sewage, the smell of raw sewage was all over me. It was inside my mouth. And these people lived like that day in and day out. And I remember we would go soul winning and we won people to Christ. We eventually started a church there. And these people had no pictures. They didn't have cameras. And you would go into, most of them live in a little hut about the size of this platform. Maybe a little bit bigger than the platform. Four or five people living in a hut this big. And, of course, no furniture, no toilet, that type of thing. And, uh, and just for us as Americans, as a matter of fact, Pastor Tomlinson, many of you know Pastor Tomlinson, Pastor Tomlinson went soul, win with, soul winning with me in that very village. And when he went there, his heart broke so much. As we were walking away, he started crying. He walked away from me, and I wasn't sure where he was going. I said, Brother Tomlinson, where are you going? He took, turned around. His eyes were all puffed up. He said, I can't take it anymore because of the poverty of these people. But as I, as I would go soul winning, as we would go into the huts, every once in a while, I would see the picture of a white guy. Better watch that. Of a white guy. I'm thinking, what in the world? Who is this dude? They don't have pictures of their family, but they have a picture of a white guy. And so I, I, I began to inquire about it, and I found out his name was Scott. Scott was a Hollywood director. He helped to direct the movie, The Titanic. Scott was a very wealthy man. He went to Cambodia for some reason. Somehow, somebody bought him to some. Scott did not know God, doesn't have the Holy Spirit, doesn't know the Word of God. Scott went to Stunman Jay. Somebody talked him into going to Stunman Jay. He saw the poverty of the children. He saw the poverty of the people. It broke his heart. He was filled with compassion. He had no idea what to do. He didn't know how to do what to do. He came back to America, and he began to tell friends. Of course, he has got a lot of wealthy friends. He said, look, I want to try to raise some money for these people. In Cambodia, he eventually gave up his job in Hollywood. He moved to Cambodia, and he's a hero in Stumman Jay because he opened up a school for 400 students. He feeds 2,000 people, every 2,000 children every day of the year. He opened up a medical clinic. He opened up a dental clinic for these poor people. And I was thinking to myself when I began to find out about this, I, I was thinking, this man has more compassion than many of us. So in this story, Jesus wants you and Jesus wants me to understand whether it's around the corner or around the world, there are people that have needs. There are people that have lost their jobs. There are people that are sick. There are people that are poor. And by the way, let me just say, the poor here are a little bit different than the poor over there. It's different. And so sometimes it is a little bit hard to be compassionate because, you know, you see, well, the kid's poor, but he's got $150 tennis shoes. Somebody say, hey, man. So it is, a, it is a little bit different. One author wrote these words. Christ's command to love our neighbor as ourselves, coupled with the depth of poverty in the world and the reality of wealth in our lives, has 
huge implications for the way that we live. If the love of God is in our hearts, then it is not possible for us to ignore the poor in the world. The gospel compels Christians in a wealthy culture to action, selfish, sacrificial, costly, countercultural action on behalf of the poor. Jonathan Edwards of years gone by said this, we have, have, where have we any command in the Bible laid down in stronger terms and in a more urgent manner than the command to give to the poor? It was John Calvin who said each Christian will so consider himself a debtor to his neighbors that he ought in exercising kindness toward them to set no other limit than the end of his resources for the sake of the poor. Another author said this, you can always identify the righteous by the attitude and activity for the least of these, always. So tonight, I want to come to you on the behalf of those who are poor, needy, and hurting around the corner and around the world. My wife and I are sort of stuck here because we can't go back home. A few months ago, about four or five months ago, right, not too long after we came here, and you know, in, in March, we came in March, and that's when everything hit. Longest month of, longest, March was the longest year of my life. Somebody say amen. And, uh, you know, everybody, every, you, you don't know what's going on. People are losing their jobs. Unemployment rate is skyrocketing. And uh, people are sick. Uh, people are dying. And, and just, it's, it's just absolutely crazy what's going on. And I'm realizing that it doesn't look like we're going to be able to go back to Laos for a while. And I'm, I'm hearing, by the way, th aren't you glad you live in America? Somebody say amen. I mean, you, you lose your job, you have unemployment. Matter of fact, you lose your job during a pandemic, you get a stimulus package. Somebody say amen. Uh, extra $600 a week. I said, man, where, where do I sign up for that thing? Somebody say amen. But you know what? I began to realize now, I, I'm discipling five men by way of internet. Well, actually, six men. Just started a, a guy recently. Four men in Laos, one in Cambodia, one in China. So I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to do that. But God started speaking to me about helping them back home financially, back home in Asia. I remember one night, I, I don't remember if my wife, Showed me. I don't remember how I saw the video. My wife showed me because I don't do Facebook, but my wife showed me one of the guys that I disciple, a young man named Subin. He's married, has two girls, and uh, he's preparing for the ministry. A uh, good man. Uh, well, because of COVID nineteen, he he lost his job. He took he gave his job up. He was going to be helping with an NGO, being trained, and then COVID nineteen hit, and then everything changed. He's he's he has no job. He's got a wife. He's got two children. There's no work. He's in lockdown. And he's at nighttime. Can I walk out here? It's not going to be. He's walking around with a flashlight. And he posts this on Facebook. And he's walking through the jungle. And I can't tell what he's doing. So my wife sends it to me. Said, Johnny, look at this. So I text him. I say, hey, Subin, what are you doing? 
He said, I'm looking for breakfast. He was looking for bugs to feed his wife and his children. And I remember thinking, man, I got to do what I can to help these folks. And so what we started doing, and I call it Operation Samaritan's Compassion. So for the last five months, we have been able to funnel about $15,000 into Asia. And what we do is we send it to local churches, pastors, national pastors that we know. And what they do is they feed the poor, they feed the hungry, they go to, they go to leper colonies, they go to the deaf, they go to the crippled, they go to, in about two weeks, they're going to one of these trash dumps where the people live on the trash dumps. And, and what they do is they feed them, they meet whatever needs that they have as much as possible, they share the gospel, some of them get saved, not all of them get saved, but every one of them get to see the love of Christ. Somebody say amen. You say, well, Brother Johnny, what is the message today? You know, in the midst of a global pandemic, all the other issues that we have, the government overreach, one concern that I've had as an outsider started looking in is we've become a little bit self-focused. And not necessarily you. I've heard about the benevolence. You're doing a lot of things in the community. We've become a little bit more self-focused. And I learned a long time ago the way to have joy in the Christian life is Jesus first, others second, you, me, last. Somebody say amen. And I want to encourage you, whether it's around the corner in your neighborhood, and I know this is Orange County, and I, I mean, this is a beautiful area. I, I, probably not a whole lot of poor right in this area, but I'm going to guess not too far from here, there's some poor, needy folks who can use a little bit of help. But not only around the corner, around the world. Those of you who know anything about church history, you know the early church for the first 300 years of the early church. Uh, it, the church grew rapidly. People were getting saved. People were getting baptized. People were getting discipled. Churches are being planted. Of course, they didn't have buildings. They didn't have the things that we have today. But they had God. Somebody say amen. They had God. And by the way, that's all you need is God. And, but they had God. They had Christ in their heart. They had the love of God in their lives. And they're sharing the gospel. People getting saved. But one of the things that happened that caused enormous growth was in, I believe it was the third century, a pandemic took place in the Roman Empire. Much, much worse than COVID-19. And people were leaving the cities, the metropolitan areas, they were leaving the cities to get away from the cities because that's what they, where they figured that's where the virus was and it was unsanitary. So they're leaving the cities. They're trying to run out of the cities for safety. But you know who stayed back in the cities to take care of the sick and the needy? It was the Christians. And if you read historical accounts, here's what the pagans said. Here's what the emperors said. They said, we don't believe what these Christians believe. We don't understand what they believe. But they're, they're not only caring for their poor, their needy, their sick, their helpless. They're caring for our poor, our needy, 
are sick and are helpless. And that caused hundreds and thousands of people to come to Christ. Tell you one story and then we'll be done for the evening. And I could tell you many, many stories. About four years ago, maybe five years ago, we were in Cambodia. My wife and I spent two years in Cambodia. We started a ministry reaching some university students. They were poor university students that were taken taken from the province, the villages. They were brought into the city by a French NGO. And the NGO paid for their schooling and paid for them to live in dormant. You wouldn't call it a dormitory, but makeshift dormitory. And so one day we were out soul winning, and, and Aman and myself, a, a national, Cambodian national, we're out soul winning. And we, we meet these young people, and we started ministry with them. We used to have them over our house all the time, tell them how to play Uno. My wife would feed them Mexican food, and all Asians love my wife's cooking. Somebody say amen. They love Mexican food. They're just like, uh, one of the guys I'm discipling right now, he says, man, he told me when we left Cambodia, he said, I'm going to miss your teaching but I'll tell you what, I'm going to miss your wife's cooking a lot more than I'm going to miss your teacher. Someone say amen. But anyway, we'd have them over our house, and, and some of these university students were getting saved. One of the university students was a young lady named Nisa. Nisa, I think her name was Nisa. Nisa got saved, and she started growing in the Lord. One day, we had an activity at our house. We always would have people in our home. We had an activity at our house. We were playing Uno. We were having food. I think we were having pizza that night for them, and they absolutely loved pizza. And the, she invited a young lady named Sakshia. Sakshia was not a university student, but somehow they were friends. They knew each other. Sakshia came, and I don't remember if she got saved that night or within the next couple of days. Sakshia got saved. After Sakshia got saved, she started attending services. She attended services about two weeks, and then she found out she was expecting a child. And she told the man that she was living with, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he gave her an ultimatum. You abort the baby or you leave my house. Now, folks, let me just say something. There is no welfare there. There is no help for unwed mothers over there. It's not like America. I thank God that in America we help folks with problems like this. But they don't have that over there. And so, so Chia was going to commit suicide. I was with Stephen Benefield. Some of you may know Brother Benefield. He's a missionary in Cambodia. He was at our house the night. Uh, Ganya, a young lady, came and said, uh, Pastor Johnny, can you come help me? My husband's in the village. I have Sakia at the house. She's talking about committing suicide. She's thinking about aborting the baby. She, she doesn't know what to do. So I go to, I tell Stephen Benefield, I said, Brother Benefield, I've got to go. I've got a fire. I've got to go uh, put out. So I go there, and I'm sitting there, and Sakia at that time spoke very little English, so Ganya is interpreting for me, and I'm helping her, and I don't want to go through the whole story, but I'm helping her, and basically I said this, look, you don't have to kill the baby, and you definitely don't have to kill yourself. And here's what I told her. Now watch this. I said, God will take care of you, and God will take care of your baby. Now let me just say something. That is very easy for us as preachers to say, and especially in America. And I said that to her. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice. But God said to me, I sure will take care of her 
through you. So my wife and I rented her an apartment. And for about six months before she could get her hand, until she could get her uh, feet on the ground, get things going, get, her, get herself a job, we bought her groceries. We prayed, paid for her medical. And by the way, it's, it's, it's not much. Her apartment was probably $50 or $60 a month. Just a little like this size. That baby's about five years old now. Sakia is living for God today. I just got a text from Sakia the other day, and every once in a while I get a text from her. And she always says something like this. I thank God for you. I owe you and Denise, Miss Denise, a great debt. Why? Because we saw the need and we did what we could to meet that need. I want to challenge you tonight, church. Ask God every day this week, God, help me to see a need and help me to do what I can to meet that need. Jesus said there were three men walking down the road. Saw the man lying on the road. The first man, who knows, maybe had, maybe had his Bible. Of course, they didn't have Bible like we have. He just walks right on by. The second man walks right on by. But the third man, a Samaritan, he sees the need, and his heart is filled with compassion. He does what, we, what he could do. By the way, we can't help everyone but we can help someone. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.